The presenting sponsor this season is Subaru. I've covered the reason I love the Subaru Forester in the last couple of episodes. Now it's time to talk about the 2020 Subaru Crosstrek. This is the car that's built for the last minute. Why not? Let's do this thing explores. A car built for any adventure. With standard symmetrical all-wheel drive and increase in available horsepower, you'll be able to drive across dusty back roads and snowpack trails to reach that hard to reach location. Plus, you can embark on that adventure with confidence and safety technology that comes standard in every Subaru Crosstrek to help with awareness and peace of mind. No matter what wild idea you're chasing, the Subaru Crosstrek is a good choice to get you there. Love is out there. Find it in a Subaru Crosstrek. You can learn more about the new, more powerful Crosstrek at Subaru.com. People often pronounce your brand wrong. Can you say it for me? It's called Fjellreven. Yeah, I'm not going to be able to do that. <laughs> <laughs> Give it a go. <laughs> Fjellreven. Uh, almost. Close. It, it tends to become Fjellreven. That's what I thought. Okay, Fjellreven. Yeah, no, there's no raven sound. It's Raven. Fjellreven. Mm-hmm. Oh, good. Fjellreven. Can you do it one more time? Fjellreven. Fjellreven. Okay, we're going to work on this during this podcast episode. By the end of it, you'll have it. (laughs) I still can't guarantee that I'm saying it right, but I appreciate Christiana Dolba for giving me that pronunciation lesson. Christiana is the head of sustainability at Fjallraven Outdoor Apparel. Basically, she makes sure that Fjallraven continues to put environmental sustainability at the forefront of their business, and she's clearly doing a good job at it. In 2019, Christiana was named Businesswoman of the Year in the Swedish sports industry. She hopped on a call with me from Sweden to talk about how heritage and longevity inform how Fjallraven designs and manufactures their products. I'm Shelby Stanger, and this is Wild Ideas Worth Living. Christiana Dolva is from Norway, but she now lives in Sweden. A few years ago, she went back to Norway to visit her grandmother. On that trip, they shared a special moment, a moment that became a tangible reminder of the values that drive her sustainability work at Fjallraven. You have this great story that I thought we'd start out with about this jacket you have that your grandmother passed down to you. Tell me about this jacket and what makes it so special. And it's, of course, Fjallraven. Yeah, the grandma jacket. So my grandmother, she lives in Lillehammer in Norway. And about five years ago, I I went home to visit her and she was like, Christiane, I have something for you. And she brought me into her closet and there she had like three items in there. There was like this really nice cape and I think it was even a fur coat. And then this Fjellreven jacket. Classic green, it's called Raven, and it still is in our collection today. And she was like, I want you to have this. And she told me she bought that jacket in late 1970s and had worn it so much. And she was like, now, you know, you work with Fjell Raven, I want you to have it. That is so cool. Yeah. So what did she do in that jacket? Like, did she tell you about the adventures that that jacket went on? With her? Yeah. I mean, at first she was just like, I've used it so much, but I don't use it anymore now. And I think it's cool now that you work with Fjellreven that you could have it. 
But then as it grew on me, what happened was I kind of realized that this story is a lot more than just a hand-me-down jacket. Because when I started wearing it and I told this story, I realized that all of a sudden it kind of really symbolizes how we make things that last. And it's not just that it's still not falling apart or that it has a really like timeless design because it does it looks basically the same as the current version that we have in our collection. But it's also the fact that she kept it, which is like this cool emotional longevity thing that we strive for in our products, making people actually want to keep it and use it year after year. So that's when I started asking her like about the stories that she had in it. So she was like, yeah, but I almost wore it like on a daily basis, which Norwegians tend to do. They wear a lot of outdoor clothing on a daily basis. But she was also like, yeah, I remember this time when you were really young and we were up in the mountains hiking. And so it definitely joined her in a lot of adventures and baked a lot of like emotional connection into it for me as well. I love that you said it baked emotional connection into it. So what kind of adventures are you taking it on? And it's so funny because I interviewed Cheryl Strayed, the woman who wrote the book Wild, and she's like, the Swedes and the Norwegians, like those women can hike like no one else. (laughs) So what do you take your jacket on? That's true. I think actually that we tend to be outside a lot, probably because we also have so much nature just around the corner that we can, you know, play around in. And, you know, as a Norwegian, I tend to think that Norwegians are out even more than Swedes, but that's the (laughs) friendly competition thing we have going. (laughs) But for me, actually, it's become this really funny thing that I both wear it on the adventures I have in the forests that we have around Stockholm and out in the archipelago. But then it has also really joined me on a different type of adventures, which is you know, traveling the world, talking about sustainability. I always bring it because it is such a symbol of what we're striving to do. You know, even when I went to our suppliers, I went to the supplier of this particular fabric, the G1000 fabric that is in the jacket. And I told them the story of like, hey, look, this is your fabric that was, you know, made into this garment in the 70s and this is how it looks now it was kind of cool to see the reactions of those who've also kind of created the fabric and you know make them understand that the things that we put so much time and effort and resources into making get to live a long life that is so nice it just kind of says also what kind of woman your grandma was i mean she must have been a pretty outdoorsy woman Yep, she was. Not like outdoorsy, I guess, as maybe myself or some of us are today, where we're like deliberately outdoorsy and seek adventures, but... Totally, just naturally. Yeah, I mean, that was part of her growing up. They had this cabin, as a lot of Norwegians do in the mountain, where she spent a lot of time. And also, she she lived for quite some many years on a farm, which kind of makes you outdoorsy just by running a farm. <laughs> So Christiana's grandmother might not have been the type of outdoor adventure woman we might imagine today, but her story is such a good reminder that there's no wrong way to be outside. And for Christiana too, ever since she was little, being outside has been a built-in part of her everyday life. Most of our listeners are based in the U.S., so maybe you could tell us what it was like to grow up in Norway and also what it's like in Sweden. 
Yeah. So I come from this small village called Lillehammer in Norway, which is kind of basically nowadays known for one thing, which is the Winter Olympics that they hosted in 94, which was kind of cool in itself because it's a really tiny village. I think they constructed the first roundabout in the city when we got the Olympics just because they needed that for traffic. (laughs) But obviously that means that there was a lot of outdoor activities that we did So I grew up with nature just around the corner, not the ocean, but mountains and lakes. And also this family tradition of, you know, weekend hikes. And also in a small village where people know each other and spend time outside. And then here in Sweden, it's it's fairly similar. Right now I live by the ocean, which is a different part of nature that I really love. In Sweden, there is this combination of ocean and water activities, but also a lot of forests and parks and places that are so available. I just want to go get on a plane right now and go visit you. It sounds incredible. And you have two little kids. How old are they? So they're six and eight. So they must... Two boys. Oh, boys. So someone just told me the best way to raise children is like outside. So do they like to get outside? And if they do, what do you do with them? They love being outside because they're so free. If you give them a bit of time in the outdoors, out in nature. It's so fascinating to see what they kind of end up doing. My eight-year-old, he got into this little period where he was just sitting right in the middle of the blueberry bushes and picking all quiet. And then he like looked at me and I was like, mom, do you know what? It feels like it's my body who's just picking while I'm just sitting here, kind of looking inside my brain, figuring out what the thoughts are in there. I was like, wow. Whoa, your kid just figured out mindfulness and like things like Thich Nhat Hanh tries to teach us all. He's eight. <laughs> and then like two minutes later, he was running around with a sword as a stake. I mean, still. That's how it should be. That's great. Wow. It sounds so wonderful where you live, just having a forest right outside your backyard. I mean, I have an ocean, so I, I can't be ungrateful. I'm very grateful for it, but... I'm really curious, you know, you're really interested in nature, but how did you get into your line of work? When did you realize you were interested in sustainability and and how did you get into the career that you got into? Like, What path did you take? Yeah, it was a little bit of a path that started off in a completely different direction at first. After I graduated, I went to university studying political science and comparative politics. It was with a group of very engaged and clever people. And we had so many discussions around, you know, everything ranging from geopolitics and ethnic wars to, you know, figuring out how you guys calculate the mandate system behind the presidential election, (laughs) which I still haven't figured out. (laughs) I don't think a lot of us have either. It's okay. But after I, I took my bachelor in that, which is three years, then I was like kind of taking a break and, you know, just looking at what parts of all those discussions do I really get engaged in? So that's probably when I realized that, yeah, okay, if we start talking about the environment and sustainability, that's when I kind of want to join in on the discussions. So I kind of quickly found out that, yeah, how can companies contribute to like sustainable development? So that's where it started. And then I was a consultant for six years and I got some assignments with within the outdoor industry. And that was like, I found home. (laughs) It was literally like 
I can, can I do this? Can I like marry my passion for being outside in nature with my passion for making companies more sustainable? I believe sustainability is going to be, it has to be one of the main focus areas for so many companies within our industry for the coming 20 years. There is so much work that we need to get done and we need to improve fairly quickly if we want to you know, ensure that the outdoors are there for future generations to come. So I really found home when I landed in Fjellreven and started that work that I'm doing now. I love that Christiana found a home in her career by bringing together business and sustainability. And I love that she's able to do this at a brand that connects her with her heritage. When we come back, Christiana talks about sustainability at Fjallraven and some of the incredible long-lasting products they make. You know it's a wild idea? Chasing bad weather to put products to the test. REI Co-op does just that. They design gear like jackets that can summon a mountain or bike through a downpour, all by getting out there themselves and using input from co-op members. REI Co-op makes sure too that their products align with their values. That means using recycled materials, applying the blue sign system, and partnering with fair trade certified factories whenever possible. Great outdoor experiences start with the right gear. Shop them at REI.com backslash co-op jackets. That's REI.com backslash co-op jackets. We all know what it's like to be inspired by the landscape around us. And few trails stand out in North America like the Pacific Crest Trail. With 2,650 miles, the Pacific Crest Trail provides a wide variety of terrain over its epic expanse. And when we're in front of ever-changing trails, you need your shoes to be able to step up to the challenge. It's that need for versatility that inspired Danner's new hiking shoe, the Trail 2650. Built to move quickly and confidently through the terrain you're choosing, the Trail 2650 can easily fill the role of a lightweight hiker or a trainer. For Danner, this meant looking to lightweight materials that could withstand the demands of the trail while still keeping comfort and stability in mind, whether you're out for a day hike, going on a backpacking trip, or simply navigating some technical terrain. Feeling stable when you're hiking allows you to focus on the world around you. Whenever the timing's right to get back out there, you'll want to be ready to say yes to adventure. The Trail 2650 keeps shifting weather conditions in mind, which is why it comes with a lightweight mesh lining or a waterproof, breathable Gore-Tex option. So keep your eyes focused on that next trek ahead of you, knowing that the foundation you need to get out there can be found on your own two feet. The rest is up to you. To find out more and see the Trail 2650 series, visit danner.com or rei.com. Working in the outdoor industry provides a totally unique experience and a constant reminder of how amazing our earth is. But working in this industry also comes with the responsibility to take care of the outdoors. Fjallraven has been able to prioritize the planet while thriving as a company. 
Christiana talks about how Fjallraven does this through everything from their business plan to their timeless designs. What does sustainability look like at Fjallraven? Which I'm still not saying right. <laughs> <laughs> You'll get it. <laughs> well, sustainability at Fjallraven is not a sideshow. It's like truly, really embedded and integrated into the core of what we're doing. And we want to make long-lasting, timeless equipment. It's both how do we create sustainable growth, but how do we create sustainable products? How do we cater for events and experiences that are more sustainable? And it's also, you know, a group of people now globally that are so passionate about these topics. Sometimes working as a consultant, I could feel like my job was, you know, being enough in people's face so that they realized that they needed to think about sustainability. And at Fjellreven, it's a bit more me running when everyone else is also running and try to just ensure that we run in the right direction or in the same direction. That's awesome. You mentioned in a blog on the company website that you're excited about the innovation and technology that's redefining how companies look at sustainability. Can you give me some examples of what that looks like? Yeah, because I think... I mean, especially the word innovation is sometimes, or at least a few years back, I could sometimes feel that sustainability was more of the party pooper kind of thing that came in and said, no, we need to do less of this and less of that and cut down here and reduce here, which is necessary. But then also now with looking at, for example, new business models, of how we can, you know, run companies not necessarily based on a like linear develop and sell products. That is innovation that I find truly interesting. And then also looking at the textile industry in general, the level of innovation that is going on in material creation and in production processes, which is helped by new technologies and how we understand data and can measure progress and stuff. That is so exciting. Like that's one of the things I could probably, you know, spend 210% of my time doing is researching what materials are better than others from a sustainability point of view. And it's really not black and white because it's so many different parameters that you look at. And then also, I think there is a lot of exciting things going on in what is like my heart passion project of creating durable, long lasting, timeless, you know, grandma jackets. Yeah. Talk to me about that, because it's one thing to create a product with material that's built to last. But how do you also make it look cool? Like, obviously, the 70s are kind of in right now. So fitting that something in the 70s is still hot today, but that's challenging. How do you make timeless pieces built to last aesthetically and, you know, materially? That's a really good question. I love that you pick up on that because the conversation around durability tends to stay with like the physical properties of like making something that can last for wear and tear. But it is a lot more than that because it doesn't matter if you make a jacket that can last for 35 years if the person who gets it grows tired of it the next season. And that's where the timeless design comes in. These are things that are very much integrated into what we call our design philosophy. It's about looking at simplicity, not adding anything unless it actually has a function. It's about looking at color choices and how you can make color choices that hopefully are more timeless 
It's about having the guts not to necessarily follow short-term trends, but stick to your DNA. And I think it's also about functionality. We do create our products because we believe that we can create products that make an outdoor experience more comfortable or more enjoyable or have a seamless, nice experience with good equipment. If you own a product that has an aesthetic that is like simple and a color that's not necessarily, you know, this season's trend color. And then it also has these great features functionality wise. That's all factors that I believe plays into creating those products that you just want to cling on to and keep on using. Yeah, I only asked that because, you know, I love keeping old jackets, but I get tired of things because I'm a product of Southern California (laughs) trends. Can't help myself sometimes. But I think that's natural. And I mean, we all, at least those of us in our part of the world, you know, tend to purchase things at the spur of the moment. Those purchasing decisions are not necessarily driven by a thought that this I'm going to have and then hand down to my grandchild. It's obviously one of the more tricky ones. And I think that there's probably a dose of stuff that we don't really understand how it happens in it as well. So take, for example, the Konkin backpack the small square backpack with the red fox on it. I had uh, two of those and I gave one to like the neighbor kids because they're tiny and they will not not wear it to school every single day. Mm -hmm. And that is so to us still fascinating because that was created in the 70s by our founder who was reading this article about school children in Sweden suffering from back problems because everyone at the time was wearing these shoulder bags with their heavy school books in. So he like literally, you know, took one of these binders and started playing around with that shape of figuring out, you know, a simple shape that will fit what you need to school, not making it too complicated and created a Konkin backpack. And there is definitely a simplicity to it, but obviously there are also elements to it as, you know, why it's all over the world right now that we ourselves also sometimes like, yeah, how did that happen? That is interesting. I'm glad you told me the story about that backpack because I see those backpacks everywhere. I mean, they're really well made, but so simple. And it all comes back to your grandma's jacket made in the 70s, built to last, and it's getting a second life via you. Are you going to pass those down to your kids, that jacket? Yeah, I really hope so. I mean, I think obviously when a product has a journey that is that long, uh, it, it becomes something more than just a jacket. To me right now, especially now when I can't really travel to Norway due to, you know, the current situation with travel bans and stuff, it feels like I'm carrying a bit of my grandma with me when I wear it. And definitely I hope that that jacket will, you know, stay in the family. But I also hope that some of the newer products that I have from Fjellreven now are going to be the ones that my kids pick up when they get older and will be like, yeah, this is nice. Do you have any other examples of products that, like your grandma's jacket, that people have passed down for generations and just love? Yeah. We do. And we actually started collecting them now. How cool. Yeah, Through like Fjellreven heritage stories. I realized that if I'm on stage and tell the grandma jacket story, there is almost for certain, especially if I'm in a Scandinavian country, someone coming up to me afterwards and be like, I have one. 
it's from my uncle or from my grandmother or grandfather. So that happens on like a personal level a lot. But then we also, once we started asking and, and you know, looking around for it, we've had people sending products to us together with family photos and be like, I have this, there was this one children's coverall that we don't have in the collection anymore now that was like purchased in Sweden and used by a child here. And then she moved to Australia. Now her children are using it in Australia. And there's a lot of those stories around. And I was really happy also to see that. I think it was when I was in Canada in our store in Vancouver, they had had someone come into the store with an old field driven backpack and be like, hey, do you guys want to have this in your store? Because I've had it for so long and, you know, told the story of what he'd been doing with it and so on. That is so cool. That's probably the one thing that makes me most proud of the work that we're doing above everything else. As Christiana talks about creating a sustainable earth for future generations, I thought about Christiana and her grandma. I think it's awesome that Christiana has a grandma jacket that she wears now and maybe she'll even pass it down to her children. How can we feel included in the responsibility to hand a healthy earth down to the next generation? Huge thank you to Christiana Dolva for talking to me. You can find more about Fjallraven on the Fjallraven website at fjallraven.com. That's F-J-A-L-L-R-A-V-E-N on social media. Wild Ideas Worth Living is part of the REI Podcast Network. It's hosted by me, Shelby Stanger, written and edited by Sylvia Thomas, and produced by Chelsea Davis. Our executive producers are Paolo Motola and Joe Crosby, and our presenting sponsor this season is Subaru. As always, I love it when you subscribe to this show, when you rate it and review it wherever you listen. And remember, some of the best adventures often happen when you follow your wildest ideas.